Hi, my name is Mira, and I am an avid consumer of all things true crime. I believe that there is a lot that we can learn from true crime cases. In my last podcast, I told the story of race issues, media bias, and law enforcement bias in America through telling the story of the case of Shy Shy Pates, an eight-year-old missing black girl from the state of Georgia. Today, I want to highlight the issue of male mental health disparities and the negative effects of toxic masculinity through telling you about a young 19-year-old man named Bryce Les Pisa who went missing in 2013. So I wanted to start off like I did with Shy Shy by giving you just a little bit of a background about Bryce's, you know, childhood and who he was. So Bryce Les Pisa was born on April 30th, 1994. And he spent his whole childhood pretty much in the suburbs suburbs outside of Chicago. He was an only child, and he was very much loved by his parents. He was very social, and he had a lot of friends. He played football and baseball in high school. And he did party a little bit in high school, but it wasn't anything too crazy, and he got pretty good grades. He was also a very good artist, and after graduating from Naperville Central High School in 2012, he and his family moved to Laguna Niguel, California, because Bryce was going to be going to design school there, and his parents had retired. And he had no problems with this adjustment, and he went to Sierra College, which was around an eight-hour drive from his parents' home in Laguna Niguel. And he also had like a pretty smooth transition into college as well, and he really enjoyed it. Um, for, in terms of his description, he is five foot 11, weighs around 170 pounds. He has bright, like red hair. Um, it's like very, he very much is a ginger and he has light blue eyes. And he also has a pretty big, um, Taurus Zodiac sign tattoo on one of his arms. So... And now that we know some stuff about him and, you know, his background and what he looks like, let's get into the nitty gritty of this case because it's kind of a lot. <laughs> okay, so now it's time for the nitty gritty, like the actual case of what happened to Bryce Lispisa. So it all starts in early August 2013 when he moved in with his friend named Sean to an apartment like by his college campus and he seemed to be doing fine when his parents moved in and there were a couple weeks like leading up to the fall semester starting. So it was around this time that Bryce began acting off according to his friends. He would drink more than you know like a couple beers at a party and he was drinking hard liquor pretty much every day and getting drunk pretty much every day. Um, His Roommate said that there was one weekend where he went through two handles of hard liquor by himself in just one weekend. Um, Obviously, this is more than like a couple beers, more than like a normal person would be drinking. And substance abuse is obviously a sign of some sort of a deep mental health issue. And also, Bryce was under the drinking age, under the legal drinking age in America. So the fall semester starts on August 26, 2013. And he had kind of a weird call with his mom on August 27th, 2013. And this is when 
the alarm bells started going off for her. So on this call, she just felt like something was off and she had been asking him, like, have you been drinking? Like, how much did you drink? Are you doing anything else? And he kept saying, no, no, I'm fine. And she pushed and pushed and pushed. And finally, he admitted that he was on the stimulant called Vyvanse, which is similar to Adderall. And he was using it recreationally. He wasn't prescribed this. And obviously, you should not be using stimulants recreationally. And this worried her a lot because this was more than, you know, a couple beers or occasionally smoking pot. This was, you know, abusing pills. So it wasn't just the substance abuse that was sketchy about Bryce's behavior at this time. In addition to that, his behavior was very erratic. He would kind of say things that like didn't make sense. And he was giving away a lot of his prized prized possessions. For example, he gave away his Xbox and he gave away a pair of diamond earrings that his mother gave him that held a lot of, you know, sentimental family value. And he just like gave them away to a female friend's friend of his. And obviously we know that people giving prized possessions away is a sign that they may be about to harm themselves or kill themselves. I also, I forgot to mention this, but he also had a girlfriend at the time named Kim who he had been dating for like, I don't know, like it was like a pretty stable relationship and they had been dating for like five or six months at this time. And out of nowhere on August 28th, 2013, he broke up with her over text saying, quote, you'd be better off without me. This is obviously very concerning because not only did he do this erratically and completely out of the blue over text, the phrase of you'd be better off without me is very concerning and definitely might be something someone who's about to maybe harm themselves is going to say. So Kim's obviously very concerned and she, I don't know if he came over to her house. I think he came over to her house. It wasn't really clear in my research, but he was over at her house. He, she asked him to go over there. And they were arguing, nothing like violent, but they they were arguing because it was obviously a very confusing, very stressful situation. And she noticed right away that something was very much off. She didn't know if he was intoxicated or if he was just going through some sort of a mental break, but she figured it was kind of a bit of both and basically took his keys and told him, I'm not letting you drive until you sleep this off. Like, it's fine, we can break up, but you need to, like, sleep this off because you shouldn't be driving. So he's very mad, and he's fighting with her about this. Um, And at this same time, literally around the same time, Bryce's mother got a call from Bryce's roommate and friend, Sean, saying that he was concerned about Bryce and his substance abuse and erratic behavior. And then right after that, she gets a call from Bryce saying, Mom, I just broke up with Kim, and she's not letting me, like get my keys like I'm gonna hand the phone to her and you need to tell her to give me back my keys I'm fine blah 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 and at this point both Kim and Sean are literally on the phone with his mother basically telling them like we're concerned like we don't think he should be driving but somehow Bryce was able to convince his mother to tell Kim to give him his keys back so he got his keys back and he kind of made I apologize. It cut off. So pretty much he got his keys. Somehow he was able to convince his mom. He got his keys and he made this deal with her that he was going to drive down to Laguna Niguel because he had, quote, something to tell her. 
So his mom went to sleep that night. Both of his parents went to sleep that night with the impression that he was going to be going home to them. But at 1 a.m., they got a call from their insurance company saying that Bryce had requested roadside assistance in Kern County, California, which is pretty much just like a mountain range county um, in the middle of nowhere. But it was somewhat in the direction of Laguna Niguel. Um, so, like, they kind of just figured and maybe he was having car troubles, but they were still like they just wanted him home because they were scared for him. So, basically, they hadn't heard from him since then, and the parents were able to track down the shop that responded to this call, which was called Castro's Tire and Truck Repair, and they called to inquire and basically say, like, do you know anything about our son? And his parents discovered then that Bryce had called for help at 9 a.m. again from the town of Buttonwillow, California, which was a whole 350 miles south of his girlfriend's apartment. So this is where everything gets kind of, like, messy, so I'm going to summarize it the best I can. So an employee from the repair shop, bless his heart, named Christian, was the one who responded to Bryce's call, and he basically routinely checked up on Bryce. And at this time, Bryce was just, like, sitting in a parking lot in a local rest area doing nothing. Um, he did this for three hours, just sitting in this local rest area, not doing anything, which is extremely concerning. And Christian, again, being going way above and beyond, called Karen to let her know what he had seen. And he actually handed over the phone to Bryce's mom so she could speak to him. So she spoke to him and was like, why are you so far away? Like, we want you back home. And he pretty much said, I'm only three hours away from home now, and I'm going to come home and we'll discuss this later. So pretty much things kind of dropped off from there. And 10 hours later, his parents had waited for him to come and he didn't. So they called and reported him missing. So, yeah. The next day on August 30th, they had reported him missing, but they were still kind of like hoping that maybe he would kind of just walk through the door and all of that. So on August 30th, they got a call from California state troopers saying that Bryce's car had been found turned over on the side of a highway and that he was not in the car. It was clear to the investigators that Bryce had survived this crash and there was a very small amount of blood left at the scene and it had come from him punching the window out in order to escape and he had left all of his personal belongings in the car, including his phone and his wallet. And that's sadly where the story ends. Um, to summarize, he's basically clearly having a mental health episode. The correspondence kind of just falls off, and then they find his car turned over and him and his him not in it and his belongings still there. I would like to note that a few weeks later, the police did find a body, but they ran tests on it and stuff, and it was not Bryce. So they have not found Bryce dead or alive. And ever since then, this case has pretty much gone cold. So I'm not going to talk too much about like theories as to what happened to him. So his family thinks that he is alive and like just ran away and doesn't want to be found. A lot of people think that maybe he committed suicide or maybe he was disoriented from the crash and just was kind of wandering around the desert and succumbed to the elements. So whatever happened, 
obviously something very bad happened and his parents don't know where their son is. But I can't help but think that this could have been prevented with proper mental health intervention and honest conversations about mental health and honestly just more education about it. While looking at the case of Bryce Laspisa, I can't help but notice the how it is such a good example of mental male of mental health disparities in our country. Um, according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, the group with the highest rate of suicides are white men, and men are three times more likely to die by suicide than women. In addition to that, around 62,000 men die from alcohol-related causes every year, while the women who die from similar from alcohol-related causes every year is just 26,000. Both the higher rate of men committing suicide and the more alcohol-related deaths is proof that men clearly do not get as much treatment for their mental health issues as women do, even though they still suffer from these issues in the same kind of high numbers. This can be credited to the stigma surrounding mental illness and depression, as well as toxic masculinity, as many men feel that they will not be manly or something if they admit that they need help. And even though this is something that society is sort of getting better at, it is still definitely very prevalent, especially for someone like Bryce, who was straight, cisgender, white, and pretty much surrounded by people like that. You know, it probably wasn't very normalized in his household or in his friend group to really ask for help. Um, in addition to that, we also see that he's showing a lot of signs of possibly wanting to commit suicide, such as, you know, giving away his possessions, breaking up with, with his girlfriend and saying that she'd be better off without him, and the issues of substance abuse as well are incredibly concerning. I believe that if Bryce had, you know, felt comfortable enough to ask for help and the people he loved had, you know, helped him through it, he would still be alive today. And whether or not what happened to him was an accident or he meant for it to happen, I truly do believe that there will be more men like Bryce if we do not do something to erase the stigma surrounding, you know, asking for help um, for men. I wanted to end this podcast by saying that if you or anyone you know is struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, or substance abuse, that I've linked resources in the show notes and that you're not alone and that you're strong, especially to the people who identify as male that may be struggling it's not weak to ask for help and you are still strong and still so very loved um in addition to that i've also linked my sources and bryce's missing poster in the show notes and i would definitely recommend that you at least look at his poster thank you